Norma, why don't you pray for us? Turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 1. And today we're going to be looking through scriptures, and we're going to be reminded of His resurrection, but because of His resurrection, the hope that we have for a resurrected life. The newness of life. So let's start here. Luke chapter 24 verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, that he would rise again on the third day. He is risen, and he is risen indeed. And the hope of his resurrection gives us the hope that's in Christ, and that hope in him will never disappoint us. So here he'll play the first song for us.
shall reign forever and ever. This morning we are going to take communion together. And we do this in remembrance of Him. Jesus instructed us to partake of the Lord's Supper, the bread representing His body that was broken for us. <clears throat> Norma, if I could have you come and pass out the bread. And I would ask that as you take a piece, if you would like to partake of communion with us, to hold it <clears throat> so we can take it together. The cup represents his blood that was shed for us. Hold the cup as well so we can partake of it together. Again, the bread represents his body that was broken for us. And care if you can pray over this before we partake of it. Jesus, we come together even on this most special day to celebrate communion. Even as you did with your disciples just hours before you were taken to the cross. And you weren't taken. Actually, you, you went willingly. And it is because of that we can sit so many years later together, united as a body of believers, holding this symbol, this bread in our hands, as a symbol of your broken body that you willingly allowed to be broken. And even then, in that moment, we were on your minds. For you carry the weight of all mankind's sin upon your body so that we could be one day reconciled unto the Father. For that period of time, there was a division between you and the Father because he cannot look upon sin. And you carried that. But just as you told your disciples in the upper room, do this in remembrance of me. Today we gather to do this in remembrance of you. 
So we hold this and we take this to honor you, to honor your sacrifice, to do this in remembrance of you, and to be challenged to live a life worthy of that sacrifice in your name. Amen. Go ahead and take the bread. cup represents the blood that was spilt for us, the blood that Jesus shed. And so, Gilda, before we partake of the cup, would you pray? Father, I thank you, Lord God. Um, I thank you for your son. I thank you for the blood that he shed on our behalf, Lord God. I thank you that his blood washed us white as snow, Lord God. And Father, I thank you that... Um, while we were still so undeserving, um, your son willingly did this for us, willingly laid his life down, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that we would live lives that honor you, Lord God, that we would remember your sacrifice, Jesus. Yes. And the Holy Spirit, we would be led and um, directed by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take the cup. And we're going to have a time of worship.
true for us, Lord. God, that we would only sing of your praise. That we would exalt your name. That no matter what we are facing, or God, what may be pressing up against us, Lord, we, we thank you, God, that we can set our eyes upon you. Because of your resurrection, Lord. Because of your victory over sin and death, we have that hope. And that we can praise you continually, Father, day after day after day. That we will lift up holy hands unto you and worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you that you've made a way that we can boldly enter in. That you first loved us. That you've begun this work in us. And that you were faithful to complete it. For that we praise you. And we have a heart of gratitude. Not a hardened heart. Not a rebellious heart. But a heart that is grateful for the work in which you've done and the things that you continue to do. So we praise you, Lord. May our time today honor you as we come to sit at your feet, to hear your word, and may our hearts be good soil to receive so that lasting fruit will come forth and that our lives will bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we're starting this morning. Verse 13. And as you're turning there, <clears throat> I 
Let's talk of why it is important that we celebrate today. And if you've been around me long enough, you've heard me say it shouldn't just be today that we celebrate it. It actually should be celebrated every day. His resurrection. The hope that we have in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 15, and we're going to start at verse 13, and we're going to go through verse 23. There, there oh. Corinthians 15. Nope, 1 Corinthians then, yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got a different translation. <laughs> Before we can talk about the resurrected life, before we can really truly understand the resurrection of Jesus, we have to go back to the beginning. God created Adam and Eve. He walked with them. They had a relationship with God. And in this relationship, God set up certain boundaries, if you would, within the Garden of Eden. A tree that they could not partake of its fruit. And for those of you who know the account, the enemy came in, the serpent And he began to play mind tricks on Eve, questioning her. Did God really say, as he does with us today? Did God really say? We begin to doubt. We begin to, to listen to the lies of the enemy. As Eve did, she part, took the fruit her eyes were open. Adam did the same. His eyes were open. And as we all know, they saw themselves naked for the first time. Their eyes were open to the very nature of sin now. That nature of rebellion towards God. And the first thing they did, and the first instinct they had was to hide from God. They knew they did wrong. No different than us. See, within each of us, we know right from wrong. We know the things in which we ought not to do, but we do it for whatever reason. And then when we do it, we feel the guilt and the shame of doing it. And just like them, we too hide. But just as God dealt with them, God deals with us. God calls them out from their hiding place. And he begins to hold them accountable. There's consequences to sin. And he not only held them accountable but he holds the enemy accountable, the serpent. 
tells the serpent in the book of Genesis that there will come one who will crush your head. And it will come from her seed. The Messiah, Jesus, the Savior of the world, was spoken back in Genesis. Well, as you're studying the Word and as you're growing as a Christian, you soon realize that, wait a minute, Adam and Eve sinning did not take God by surprise. You see, the cross was purposed even before God spoke the earth into existence. You see, the cross had to happen so that love could be displayed, and we've been talking about that over the past couple months here. The cross had to take place so that God's love would be displayed throughout all creation. It was the only way that God's love would ever be displayed because no greater love than this that a man will lay down his life for his friends. Jesus willingly gave up his life. He knew his purpose. He knew why he was coming to earth. And in that, in the setting of this garden is where it all began. Rebellion towards God. You see, the descendants of Adam, all of us sitting in this room, we were born into sin. All of us. All of us. That nature of rebellion towards God. You don't wake up one day and decide, oh, I'm going to, Search out God. I'm going to look towards Jesus. In and of yourself, you would never do that. In and of that nature, you always would rebel against God. You see, the Bible says that He begins this work in us. That He first loved us, even in our rebellious nature. He loves us. He loves us. And His desires that we would come to Him. When God told the serpent, there will come one, it will come from her seed that's going to crush your head. He will defeat you. It's the great hope that we have of celebrating today. But again, oh, that not just be a day that we set aside on the calendar, but it should be every day. It should be a reminder that the victory has been given to us through Jesus Christ, through his death and through his resurrection. Because remember, the Bible says, and we'll look at the scripture soon, that if our message was just the cross, then our message is really of no use. Jesus is still not hanging on the cross. He had to go to the cross to get to the resurrection. He had to be buried for three days. And on that third day, the stone was rolled away. That is the hope that we have as Christians. If you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, that's the hope in which you have. The hope of the resurrection. The hope of the power that Christ exerted, defeating sin and death. You are no longer a product of the fall. You're no longer the product of of rebellion. Because you come to an understanding that God himself came. To redeem us. To save us. No greater love than this. That a man will lay down his life for his friend. And just as Jesus did for us. He calls his followers to do the same. Like daily you lay your life down for him. 
daily you decide, I'm not going to rebel against you today, God. And by choosing each and every single day as a believer to live for God, to honor God, to obey God, do you realize you are displaying His love still today to all creation? To all creation. That's why He sends us forth as witnesses into this world, into this dark, lonely, decrepit world that's only getting darker by the second. But the church, Christians, are to be growing brighter and brighter. We're not to get entangled with the things of this world. No, because we have the hope. And so we go into the world revealing His love to all creation. God Himself, again, came to redeem mankind, His creation, back to Him. Listen, you were not created for the temporal things of this world. As much as your flesh craves it. Remember, when you come to Jesus, you've considered the cost. I know in this day and age, the gospel's being peddled out, watered down, almost has, has, is stripped of its power. We've allowed grace to be this weak word, that somehow grace keeps us in our sin. But that is truly, remember, what grace is. Grace is the power to change us. Grace is the power to, to, that has redeemed us from darkness to light. And it's a choice because God is not going to force you. It is a choice. But if you've been around me long enough, you've heard me say, why would you continue to choose His wrath over His love? See, what the church has to awaken to is that you cannot remain in rebellion and say you love Jesus. Mm. How is that how does that work? How does that reflect his, his great love to creation? Oh, I love Jesus, but my actions are a complete rebellion towards him. You remember how the enemy deceived him? So he does today. He deceives those into thinking that you can love Jesus and remain in rebellion. It doesn't work that way. The Bible is very clear. We have been transformed. We are a new creation. But I don't feel new. I still feel the old way. Uh -huh. But you have to remember, it's a day-to-day -day walk. It's a day-to-day -day process. Remember what the Bible says in Romans 12. How does he transform our lives? By renewing our minds. And I love what one, how one translation reads it. By changing the way we think. By changing the way we think, I'm no longer in rebellion towards God, so I'm not going that way. I'm no longer rebelling against God, so I'm not touching that. I'm no longer in rebellion towards God, so I'm not saying that. So I know how I will live if I'm in charge, but I'm to consider myself dead but alive in God. So I need to be dependent upon Him to complete that which He began in me. So he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live this new life. Do you realize that the Word of God says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of every believer? The same power that raised him up from the dead, if you call yourself a Christian, is inside you. That you may live a life honoring God. Honoring his, his resurrection. 
You're no longer a product of the fall. You are now a product of the resurrection. And just as you grew as the product of the fall and all your rebellion, when you come to Christ, you're born again, and now you're growing as one who has been redeemed. That is the hope of the resurrection, you all. If we did not have this hope, then we have nothing. Mm -hmm. Look at this scripture here. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 13. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ was not raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, you all have died. I'm sorry. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, We are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. The resurrection. This this hope of a new life. No longer again a slave to sin. A slave to this world. A slave to the enemy. A slave to your very own flesh nature. Remember, you've learned here what we've talked about a lot here. The flesh only knows how to do one thing, and that's to die. (coughs) This flesh nature. And that's why it drags us to the very things that are killing us. But oh, the hope of the new life in Christ, all because of His resurrection, that we have, that our past no longer has to define us. That we can start afresh and anew. Do you realize the Bible says that when you repent, when you're truly sorry for being rebellious towards God, God says He wipes your slate clean. He doesn't remember it any longer. Mm -hmm. As far as the east is to the west, you're no longer defined by it. You are a brand new creation. And daily, We should be asking God to search our hearts. To test us. See if there's any wicked way within us, Lord. Mature us. Mature us. Grow us up. And the fullness of salvation. Of your salvation. That we might live. That we might be partakers of your divine nature. That we would daily celebrate the fullness of this life. That he was the first. Fruit, if you would, 
of such a great harvest. Just as death entered in through one man's disobedience, life enters in from another man's. Jesus was obedient all the way to the cross. He knew his purpose. He didn't get sidetracked. He stayed focused. He knew where he was going. He knew what he had, had to accomplish. And the Word of God says that God has equipped us to do good works that ultimately would bring Him glory. Your life is to display such great love, God's great love, to all creation. That you live humbled lives. Jesus, He's our example. He came to serve. You ought to be serving others. Not prideful, not arrogant, not remaining in that rebellious nature, but learning what it means to truly love, to truly serve, to realize that my life is not meant for the temporalness of life. I wasn't created to worship the created. No, I was created to worship the creator. Like we're meant for the eternal things of God. You're going to spend eternity either with God or apart from Him. And it's your choice. We've talked a lot about that. It's your choice. How you live your life on this earth determines your eternity. If you accept Christ, if you live for Christ then when you stand before Him, you'll enter in. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But if you continue to remain in your rebellious nature, when He has made all provision for you not to, and you choose to, well then when you stand before Him, He says, depart from me. I don't know you. You chose my wrath over my love. You chose I've revealed myself to you time and time and time and time again. I have revealed myself to you. But you sought after your life more than you sought after mine. And in that, I'll reward you for what you asked for. Eternity apart from me. Why would we change, would exchange his love for his wrath? God has displayed such great love. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says here, The message of the cross is foolish. To those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. So there's two ways you're either going to look at the cross. At what he accomplished. Either it'll look foolish to you. And if it's looking foolish to you, then recognize the path that you're on. The Bible's very clear. You're on a path of destruction. But for those whose eyes have been opened, 
who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, for those who are growing and maturing in the fullness of their salvation in Christ. What it says here. But if we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. It's God's power. It is through His resurrection that we can obtain the fullness of life. Remember, the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life. Don't settle for rebellion. Don't settle for destruction. No, I've come to give you life. Come to me. Receive this free gift. Remember, he loves us, yet though we're in rebellion towards him. He's not expecting us to be perfect. Remember, our goal is not perfection. Our goal is maturing. He receives us right as we are. We don't have to clean ourselves up because we never could. It's not about a list of rules and laws. No, it's about a relationship that he has established with us through Jesus. God himself longs to be with us. That's why he sent his one and only son, that whoever will believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1. You see, God has given us a new way. There is hope, y'all, no matter what you're facing today. No matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are, there is hope. If you come to Jesus, if you receive this free gift of salvation, we are transformed. We are born again of the Spirit. We are new creations. Our lives are now altered to live differently. Our lives are to be producing fruit. Remember in the beginning, in the book of Acts, and you read it all through church history, How are you recognized by other Christians that you're a Christian? By a transformed life. Not a life who just says Jesus, but yet your life isn't transformed. Anyone, anyone could claim to have a relationship, but not everyone does. Remember, the ones that we are called not to even to associate with are people who say they are Christians and really aren't. We're not called not to associate with the world. We're not to become like the world. We're to be in it. But the ones that we are told not to even eat with are people who say, oh, I know Jesus, but yet their lives don't even reflect or or show any fruit that they do. They hold a form of religion in denying God's power. They make every excuse for their sin in their life. They choose to remain rebellious. Remember, sin is a choice. The issues of your life has nothing to do with your mother, your father, your cousin, your uncle, your grandparents, anyone else. The sin in your life is your choice. You choose to remain rebellious. You choose to continue to go your way. And in that, you can't keep claiming Jesus. It's not how it works. Bible's very clear, have nothing to do with those who hold a form of religion and deny his power. Oh, that we wouldn't be those people, you all. Oh, that we would be a people. 
who wouldn't be a religious people, but that we would be a humble people in relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That we truly would understand what it means to live under His Lordship. Like we truly understand when Jesus in the book of Luke looks towards His followers and says, Consider the cost before you come and follow me, because it's going to cost you everything. Because this world is not your home. You're just foreigners passing through. There's work to be done, but the work to do is to bring glory to God. Follow my lead, he says. Follow my example. Follow me. Wow, that's great news. It's great news for those who are being saved. But for those who are on the path of destruction, it's not great news. It's foolishness. Oh, but that our eyes, I pray, would be open. It says, therefore, here in verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, since God in His mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the Word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Oh, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that our God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that is vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Oh, so look at this, you all. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. But rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. 
For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Oh, that we would understand the temporalness of life. Here today, gone tomorrow. The things that we're trying to find our identity in. The things that we're trying to find our security in. All of these things are fading away. True security, true true wholeness only comes from Jesus. He heals us completely. We don't have to continue to seek the things of this world. No matter where we've come from or who, who we are or what we've done. Like in Christ, we are a new creation. We have the hope that it doesn't matter what's pressing up against us, what's challenging us, how we're being you know, chased down for living for Christ. Jesus himself said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. They didn't receive me, so they're going to reject you. To some, you will be a fragrance of life. To others, you will be a stench of death. Because they will choose to hold on to their rebellion instead of clinging to Christ. This hope that we have, this newness of life, that's all due to the resurrected Christ. This newness of life. You don't have to continue down that path of destruction. No. In Christ, all things have been made new. And did you hear those words? Like Paul is writing and saying, we're doing this, not for our own sake, but for yours. So that God's glory will be made known over and over and over again. If we lose ourselves, it's okay. Because we've gained Christ and you've gained Christ. We're just servants of God. And oh, I pray that's our heart today. That we would just be servants. That we will love the Lord our God with all of our heart and that we will love others to love ourselves. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Such great news. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere. And I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Be careful of those that are out there with these spectacular ministries that make it all about their anointing and about themselves and not about Christ. Ministry was never meant to, to be a show, to be entertainment. Ministry is to be done with a sincere heart. A heart to see others come to Christ and to be transformed by the power of God. Not by your anointing, but by the power of God. We, 
as Christians, we don't, we don't take credit for what God is doing in and through us. No, we don't want people to look upon us. We want people to look upon Jesus. Amen. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That should be the, the, the heart of a Christian, of ministers of the gospel. And if you're a Christian, you don't have to have a certificate to, so that you are now a minister. No, if you're a Christian, these scriptures encourage you to understand that you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. All of us have the same ministry. But how he works it in and through us is differently because he's gifted us differently. And as we talked a few weeks ago about the gifts, the Holy Spirit distributes gifts. And each of us have a gift if not more, to be able to serve the body of Christ. You see, the church, the church is given to us so that we can be part of a family of believers who are no longer in rebellion towards God, but have humbled ourselves before God and before each other. And as we come to serve Him, we come to serve each other, as He's gifted us to do, so that we can be a family of believers that are encouraging, that are edifying, that are building each other up, that are holding each other accountable to His truths. That when we see ourselves straying off to the path of destruction, we come a-running. And we come encouraging. Don't go that way. Don't go back like a dog to its vomit. Don't go back to your rebellion. No, stay on this path of life. Don't trade his, his love for His wrath. No, come back to God. That is what we're pleading with others. Come to God. This is the hope that we have. That's why we're out there serving and loving others. We're not making it about us. We're not trying to build a ministry that just shows us off. No, we're trying to just live a life simple, humble, with a sincere heart preaching God's word to all that would hear. He goes on, If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Oh, how we should be able to say that. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us to, back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. Think about that. God is making His appeal through you. Does your life represent Him? Like as Christians, 
if you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, God is making his appeal through your life, how you live your life, so that others would see such great love displayed. And if it isn't, you're not to remain in shame and condemnation. Listen, that's how the enemy works. Just as he did in the garden, he does today. You're no good. Look, you failed again. God is going to get you. God is going to condemn you. He's the accuser of the brethren. He wants you to pull away from God. He wants you to pull away from fellowship. He wants your destruction. But don't buy into that lie. If there's areas of your life, if sin is controlling you, repent. It's as simple as that. Repent. Turn from it. Have a godly sorrow. Like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I've done wrong. God, that disgusts me. I don't want to be defined by that anymore. Of your great love, God, I thank you. And just begin to just live this life of being forgiven. And act like you've been forgiven. Live as if you've been forgiven. Because that's the wholeness of Christ. The wholeness that I can make choices now as a believer, not out of my brokenness, but out of wholeness in Christ. I don't have to keep making decisions out of insecurities. No, because God, I'm whole in you, so I will seek you, knowing that if I seek you, I will find you if I seek you with my whole heart. Not with a divided heart, here today, gone tomorrow. Love you today, screw you tomorrow. That's not our attitude. No, we are to be sincere. We're to love God. And when you fail, when you sin, give up and repent and be truly sorry for it. Have that godly sorrow. The Bible's very clear. Don't have a worldly sorrow. Oh, I'm sorry that I got caught. But give me a minute, I'm going to go right back to it. No, true repentance is not returning to the thing that you're saying sorry for. That's true repentance. It's believing that God has made a way. I don't have to go back. God has made a way. My king is resurrected. He has defeated sin and death. He has made me right with him. And I'm not going to believe the lie of the enemy. I'm not going to believe what people think of me. No, I'm going to believe what God says. And in that belief, it will transform my life. I will not be the same. You will not be the same. A transformed life, all because of the resurrection. So now we're his ambassadors. We're making this plea to others. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Why do you think Jesus, right before he ascended into heaven, he looked and gave us the great commission. He told his disciples to go. Go. Preach the good news. Preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all things that I've commanded. Listen, I've warned you, stay away from churches that are the message of, that says it's the gospel that tries to give you the right to yourself. It's not the gospel. You're to be in a church and a fellowship where you are being taught to obey all of his commands. 
Not just some of them that feel good to you, but all of them. Even the ones that you go, oh, God, I really want to hold on to this. But because of my love for you, I'll lay it down. Because of my love for you, I'll, get, I'll put aside that bad attitude. Because of that love for you, I'll nail it to your cross and leave it there. And I'll trust the fact that you are God. That you are victorious. That I am in Christ now. I've taken off the old nature and I've put on the new nature. I'm trusting you with everything. Because you've given everything. You gave yourself for me. Listen, no one's going to love you like Jesus. No other man, no other woman. No one is going to fulfill you like he can fill you. Security that comes from Christ and his love for you. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Only he can bring it. It's the good news that we have. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 24 and 25. How are we to live? I love these two scriptures. If there's anything you should take away besides the encouragement that you're hearing, get, go back to these scriptures this week. Just meditate on them. Listen, remember, we're to be doers of the word, not hearers of the word. There's a lot of people who sit in churches and all they do is hear the word. Hearing the word is not going to do anything for you. It is when you apply the word. When you truly come into an agreement with what the word says. And you begin living that way. Look at what it says here. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, look at this, have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not just some, but every part. We've got to stop making excuses for our rebellion. All those desires, are those temporal needs and wants, that rebellious nature... See it nailed to his cross and crucified there. It's a gruesome death. Death is never easy. Death is never easy. It hurts. But you have to die to self. You have to consider yourself dead to sin, but alive in Jesus, the Bible talks about. If you go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 14... As for me, the Word of God says, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. Because of the cross, may we never boast in anything else but Jesus and His cross, His death, and his resurrection. That's all we have to share with people. May we never boast in anything else. And may we come to truly recognize that because of the cross, because of the resurrection, my interest, your interest in this temporal world is done. And the good news is, not, it just doesn't stop there, but it says the world's interest in you is done. Because you're living different. You're different. You don't belong. You don't see yourself any longer. The product of the fall. 
and rebellion towards God, just settling for temporal things. No, your eyes are open to the fullness of God's salvation. Wow. So the interest that I used to have in this world, I have no longer. And the world's interest in me world's not even interested in looking my way. And so it should be with all of us. It's a day-to-day walk, you all. It's not just a one-time bow my knee prayer. It's a lifestyle. It's 24-7. It's who you've become. It's who you are now. You're just living it out. Just following Him being connected to a local church, doing life with others who love you enough to hold you accountable and that you love enough to hold them accountable. That we wouldn't boast in anything but of the cross of our Lord Jesus. Like He is our Lord. He is our Savior. No one's expecting you to be perfect. But the expectation is to love the Lord. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body. Don't be deceived. Don't walk in, in deception. Walk in the light as He is in the light. Such great light that has invaded darkness. Listen, we live in a corrupt world, crooked and perverse. But as Christians, we're called to walk upright in a crooked world. We're not to be tainted by the world and we're not to be scared of the devil. We're just to walk in the fullness and the authority in which Christ has given us. With the assurance of salvation, with a hope for tomorrow, knowing that death and sin have been defeated. The fullness of victory has been given, all because of what He has accomplished. So my interest, your interest in the world, we're not moved by the world. Listen, the world can produce a lot of great things. If man sets his mind to it, it can be accomplished. But let's not be impressed by what the world can accomplish. Because all of that is temporal. And all of that is fading. It's here today, gone tomorrow. So we have to be moved by that. We once were. Following all the, the sport figures, the actors, the singers, the, the way of life, all the different cultures that are out there. But as Christians, we're not to be defined by that. And their interest in us, it can't lure us back. No, we're defined now by the kingdom of God. By His authority, by His power. By the hope that is eternal in Him. It's what we have to share. It's who we are now. Go to Philippians. We've got this one and then one more. We're wrapping up. But Philippians chapter 2. This life that we've been given. We're to have the same attitude as Christ. 2, verse 1. 
and we're just shining brightly. If you've been around us long enough, you, you hear us encouraging each other. Burn bright. Go out there and burn bright. Go out there and have spiritual conversations, you all. Go out there and let others know what God has done for you. The reason why we don't share, if we're honest, the reason why we're not out there really allowing Him to make His appeal through us is because we truly see the rebellion that's still in our heart. How can I tell you about the goodness of God? But I'm acting just like you. How can I share of the hope that's in Christ and the power of His resurrection if I'm just as rebellious as you are? And so the enemy silences us. Again, the lies and the deception that he brings to silence us. Listen, his whole purpose has always been to destroy love. Mm. To destroy love. Always to hinder the fullness of God's love being revealed. He lost when he thought that he was going to ascend above God's throne. Amen. He lost. And we would study last week as we're going through the book of Mark, and we'll pick up next week in the book of Mark. But we recognize too that the Bible says even the demons know the word of God and they tremble at it. Even the demons know there's a day coming when their punishment is set for them. See, that's why we're not to be partakers of darkness. Listen, the rebellion that you still experience in your life, don't let it define you. Stop catering to it. Get before God. Get into church. Get into accountability. Expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. Listen, the enemy gains authority of your life when you believe his lie and you sit down. Mm-hmm. And you shackle your, yourself with chains. And all along, Jesus is going, what are you doing over there? You don't belong there. Get up from that place. Why do you think the Word of God says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles you? Get up from there. You belong to me, Jesus says. So many times we're pleading God to do something. You know what his response is? I've already done it. Would you just believe it? (laughs) Why do you keep asking for something I've already done? I've done it. Believe it. And you know why it's so powerful to believe? Because when you put your faith into action, as you think, so you go. So if I'm allowing his truth to define me, then I'll start walking that way. Whatever I'm believing is how I'm living. If I'm believing the lie of the enemy, that's how I'm going to live. I'm going to come into an agreement with him. That's why the Bible is very clear. Take every thought captive. Bring that thought into the obedience of Christ's lordship over your life. Every thought, not just some thoughts. As you're going through your day and you're processing things that are contrary to God's truth, you need to do something with those thoughts. Or they're going to define you. And you're going to go the way of destruction. But why would you? When the path of righteousness, when the path of life has been available to you. Stay on that path. Live for God. It says, is there any encouragement for belonging to Christ? 
Is there any encouragement for being a Christian? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? I love what Paul says here. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. He says to the church, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. Oh God, that we need to hear that today. But take an interest in others too. And look at verse 5. A verse that should be underlined, maybe written out and put up on your mirror <laughs> this week. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ had. You must. It doesn't give you an option. Not when you feel spiritual. I feel spiritual today. I feel good. Everything is going my way. Praise God. Praise God. Look at how God is blessing me. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to have the same attitude. No. Then we get the phone call. Our life doesn't go our way. And then all of a sudden we're cursing God, cursing others, tearing other cha- each other down, going after our own thing, being selfish, being just temporal. No. We're not to live that way. We must have the same attitude as Jesus did. Listen, we've laid down our lives, you all. I know a lot of us have just been told, just come say a prayer, you're a Christian. And then we get up and no one disciples us. No one tells us, really, now what do we do? But somehow we bought into this false sense of freedom. Well, I must be a Christian. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. When you bow your knee, it's a daily choice every day. I'm laying my life down. I'm a Christian. I'm not picking back up my life. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm a Christian. I'm going to think of you better than I think of myself. I'm a Christian. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to look out for you before I look out for myself because I'm a Christian. I'm going to love you no matter how much you hurt me because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. We should be able to say that as believers. I have the same attitude as Christ. He's working all things out for my good. He loves me. I laid my life down. I'm not picking it back up. I'm not putting my trust in the, in the world. No, my trust is in Christ. And so I can have the same attitude. He says here, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Look at what Jesus did. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humbled position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest of honor and gave him the name of all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. 
to the glory of God the Father. Dear brothers, or dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep, deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Another scripture to really pull out who works this in you. Did you hear it? Mm-hmm. Who? God. There's nothing you can do. Stop trying to be the good Christian, following all the rules and laws, the do's and the don'ts. No. Just accept the fullness that God will work this in you. Look what it says here. God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases Him. God gives that to you. That's why this life has to be dependent upon God. And if you're lacking, then ask. I desire to love you more, God. Teach me to love you. I desire to love others more. God, teach me to love them. Whatever you're lacking for, whatever area in your life that you still see, God, I still have a problem with, and then you name it. But God, give me the victory over it. So many times we talk more about our sin and our defeat than we do our God. And we've got to learn to change the way we think and the way we speak. He wills it in us. So it says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Listen to how the church then was encouraged to live. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Let's go to Colossians, the next book over. Chapter 3, and we'll end there. Chapter 3, verse 1. Living this new life, you all. The resurrected life that can only be found in Jesus. Listen, Jesus says, I'm the only way to God. No matter what any other religion wants to present to you. Jesus says, I'm the only way. I'm the only way to God. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's no other way. No matter how man tries to attempt to reach God. In and of our own strength, we won't. Melissa and I were talking yesterday, and you've heard us talk about it before here. Every other faith out there, every other faith out there that is distorted has some type of truth in it from God's Word. See, the enemy, all he knows to do is to pervert God's truth. So all these other faiths out there, there's a nugget somewhere of truth from God's Word in it, but yet they twist it to where it's not truth, because they built this belief system around it that keeps Jesus out of it. How can you take what God has established and keep Jesus from it? It doesn't work. There are people dying and going to hell, believing, and it saddens me, we've talked about this before. It saddens me that other people of faiths, they believe what they believe. And it defines them. 
for God's sakes, these radical Muslims, their belief defines them so much that they'll strap a bomb on them. And you can't barely get Christians to pray. Or to fast. Or to have some type of spiritual discipline. The beliefs, their beliefs are not defining them. You look at the Buddhists, you look at, you look at Jehovah Witnesses, you look at all these other faiths, these Mor- the Mormon faith, you look at all of these other faiths, the New Age, all these doctrines that are out there that pervert God's truth. But yet, it defines them, and they will be that, and they could care less what you think of them. They could care less. They will live it out in public. You got new age people who, who will wrap themselves up in trees. You got, you got all these things. And they don't care. You look at them and laugh. They don't care. Their faith defines them. But you hold a Christian accountable to what they say they believe and all of a sudden they're offended. Oh, why are you judging me? I'm gonna live, I can live however I want. You just spoke clearly out of your mouth that you're choosing to rebel and you're still thinking you're okay? Come on, church, we got to wake up. I gotta wake up. Our faith should be defining us. We are Christians. We know the author of life. The one who says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's no other way to God. Why are we entangled with the world? How can these other faiths pull themselves out of the world? They themselves know, we don't want to touch that. Their faith defines them. And yet, they're separated from God, no matter matter how good they are. And yet, here we are sitting here hearing the truth. Does our faith really define us? Come on, we've got to stop making excuses. Like, remember, we're to be vessels that God is, is using as an appeal to the masses of his great love. Of his great love. So how should we live? This new life, this resurrected life. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen, don't wait till they bury you. Consider yourself dead already. Because you died when you've accepted Jesus. That's what you did. And if you didn't, then you really didn't accept Jesus. And you say, well, that's hard to believe. Well, open up God's word. Jesus himself says, if you're calling yourself a follower of mine, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. All through the scripture that's written to the church, they're being reminded of this death that took place when you accepted Jesus. See, I willingly laid my life down. To pick up his. Every day. Of my life. Until I'm with him. That's the gospel. That's the hope that we have. In Christ. We are to consider ourselves. Dead. 
for you died to this life. It goes on here in verse 4, And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of His glory. Oh, what a day it's going to be when He returns you all. Listen, the world has to continue to get darker, more evil. The love of many are going to continue to grow cold. Perversion is going to increase. Murder, strife, anger is going to increase. The world has got to get to a place of such darkness because it's all spoke about right here. But the church, we're not to hide. We're not to lock ourselves up. No, we're to be in the world. We're to do as Jesus did. Go be the bearer of light. He's returning. He's returning. That's the day that we're looking forward to. His return. So we're living that. Because it could be at any moment. We're waiting. We're expecting. For His glory. Look what it says there. And you will share in all of His glory. Once the whole world truly sees Him. It says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Because they're already dead, so put them to death. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Listen, we talked about that. And we've been talking about that. Sexual perversion, sex outside of marriage between a, a man and a woman. Sexual sin, the pornography, the the junk that's running out there, it destroys lives. And yet, we're accepting it in the church. Listen, all of us, the majority of us sitting here before Christ, or if you're not a Christian yet, most likely you're partaking of sexual immorality, a perversion. Listen, God created sex, and sex is good for how he designed it. The enemy always comes to try to twist and pervert things. People are trying to find acceptance by giving themselves intimately to each other. Just somehow that's love. That's not love. That's deception. And as Christians, we don't partake of that anymore. And if you have partaken of it, then just ask for forgiveness. Get up from it. Be pure. You're looking at a man who was a vile, detestable pig. I was controlled by sexual perversion for many years of my life since a kid. And I sought for his purity. God, I want to know what it is to be pure and whole. I can't do it for myself. Only you can. So don't listen to the lies of the boy or the girl or the man or the woman who just wants to lay you down. And take that from you. Don't listen to the lie that destroys you. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself clean. Until the right man or the right woman comes into your life. The one that God has set aside for you. The Bible is very clear about sexual sin. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. 
Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. I know we don't like to see God as angry. We want God to be this little spiritual guru, loving, weird, hippie man. But he's a God of anger and he's a God of love. He has to be a God of wrath and he has to be a God of love. They go hand in hand. He's been that way from the beginning until the end. Because of these sins, that which was just named, the anger of God is coming. His wrath is coming to the earth. That's why we must be diligent as Christians to go out there and tell of the good news of Jesus. Of his resurrection. Of how he has defeated sin and death. The hope that you have in Christ. To live for him and him alone. You used, I love this scripture here. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it is time to get rid of anger. Oh, how we need to hear that. Rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. How are you renewed? By the transforming of your mind. How are you thinking? As you think, so you live. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us since God chose you. Did you hear that? God chose you. Amen. You have value. You have worth. You must... I'm sorry. Since God chose you to be holy people, he loves, you must... Clothe yourselves with tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's how our lives are to be defined. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And finally, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Everything we do, we are to do it in a way that honors Him. Listen, He's alive. He is risen, you all. He has fulfilled what He came to do to redeem us back to God, to Himself. That's why I love Romans 5.1. It says, Now therefore you're at peace with God through Jesus Christ, your Lord. And with that, let's close with worship. The gates and doors are barred and all the windows fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound. Half in hopeless sorrow and half in fear the day would find the soldiers breaking through to drag 
Just melting. 